My name is Jenna and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all the research, guidance, and encouragement you need to help you remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, guys, we're back with another episode of All the Hard Things. Um, so I have Casey here, and this is another example of um, someone who, from the mom community, reached out to me and just felt really strongly about you know, certain topics and all that good stuff. So we are going to jump into it today. So Casey, thank you so much for being here, um, reaching out and all that good stuff. So why don't you just start by telling our audience about you and your background and your family a little bit to give them some context. Sure. Thank you for having me. Um, so I have two kids and um, I my job is I do marketing at an agency and I do a side job writing parenting and maternal health columns for a magazine. And what really got me interested in talking about pregnancy and motherhood was my own experiences because they tell you all about birth and they tell you all about being pregnant, but they don't tell you anything about the stuff that comes after. And that is the stuff that is, that's the stuff that needs talked about the most. 100%. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And I think that's the most important, right? Like, I mean, it's all important, but we, but we kind of know like some of the most important things to expect during pregnancy. We kind of know, you know, surface level in comparison, certainly to what we don't know about the after effects of, you know, becoming a mom and all those changes. So. Right. They kind of just hand you a baby and say, here you go, go home now, but they don't tell you anything else. Like even the physical symptoms, like hey, you're going to sweat a lot or, you know, anything like that. You're going to lose your hair. <laughs> yeah. If you do have um, um, like mental issues or if you do experience those feelings, I mean, at least for me, nobody told me about that. And I actually thought I was going crazy. And okay. when you, it's like when you reach out for help, it's like, where do you go? And I didn't know what to do because my OB was like pretty much useless. And I wasn't suicidal and I wasn't going to, you know, harm my baby. So I couldn't go to the ER, but I felt really, really bad and like almost non-functional. And it's like, well, what are you supposed to do? And I couldn't even get into a therapist for like weeks. Mm -hmm. And, and that was my experience too. So this is not just you, which is yeah. really awful. Like I, I know I waited, which is unfortunate because I'm a therapist, right? But like, I feel like, especially as a mom, you feel this need or you're forced to wait until crisis mode. Right. And then when it's crisis mode, I, it was going to take me six weeks to get into someone. And I'm like, I would literally drive to your office right now if I could. <laughs> like, right. I, I cannot wait six weeks to see someone. Right. And that's like, that's it. And they always say, oh, are you going to harm yourself? Well, no, but I can't take care of my baby. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on. And 
my mom drug me to this acupuncturist, like as a filler to wait until I could get into a therapist. And I was like, this is, this is not going to work. This is absolute crap. And like, she, you know, stuck stuff in me and like taped some things to my fingers and it helped because I had such bad, like anxiety and depression and it helped for a while until I could get some medicine and until I could get to a therapist, it was like, well, I guess I'll go see this acupuncturist because nobody else can help me. Yeah, it's really awful. Um, and I think there are just, you talked a lot about advocacy in our emails together. So we're going to get really into that today. Just your own personal thoughts, your own um, difficulties. You know, some of my favorite conversations, they're also some of the most difficult conversations to have with new and expecting moms who are my friends. It's like how to advocate for yourself. Like if you're struggling, you may need to advocate for yourself because like you, I went to my OB and I was told to just give my son a pacifier. <laughs> like I, I literally was like, I'm a, th I'm a therapist. I know what's going on with me. I'm internally like pretty aware. And I know like my gauge of what's problematic and what's not is pretty solid. And she still told me to just give my son a pacifier. Ugh. And I had to literally continue to like nail in this point of like, I'm crying every day in the shower. I don't want to go home. I, I don't want to be around him at all. Yeah. Like I need to, like, this isn't normal. And I don't know why I had to be the one advocating for that. That's so enraging. Right. And I felt that way too. And what makes me mad is like, I have two kids. So my second kid, I was like, all right, I know that this can happen. Like I'm on the lookout for it. Right. And I didn't, feel depressed. I didn't feel those feelings, but I had this all consuming rage inside of me. And I went to the OB and they gave me this like depression screening and I use air quotes here, but it was literally two questions. And it was, are you sad? And are you, did you lose interest in stuff you used to enjoy? And I was like, well, no, but, and I'm like, I'm just really, really angry. And they're like, oh, you're just stressed because you have two kids. Well, Gaslighting. <laughs> well, no, like, yeah, I would, I like, by the time I got a different, like, cause time had passed. I got a different therapist. She's like, no, that's postpartum depression. I was like, well, now you tell me, like I, I had so many people say, well, you're just stressed out. Mm -hmm. Like, no, I don't this is feel normal. right. This is common. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would, I remember sitting in that office and being given after I relentlessly advocated that I feel like I was struggling with anxiety and obsessive compulsive tendencies. Um, of course, as a result of all of that, I feel like I was definitely depressed, like crying in the shower and mm -hmm. losing interest in things. But I was very clear in that I was struggling primarily with anxiety and, and potentially OCD symptoms. They still gave me a depression screener. And I had to stop her and say, like, I, I get it. Like, do whatever you need to do. I'm going to score very low on this. I know exactly what screen you're doing. You need to give me the, the anxiety version of the screen because I'm a therapist. I know it exists. <laughs> and of course, I scored very minimally on depression. And I scored, like, out of, out of the world on anxiety. And I'm like, why am I having to do that? <laughs> well, that's I, have, I have a mental health background. Like, what about yeah. all these women who don't? Yeah, I don't. I had no idea there were other screenings. It's like, they, and that's what one of the things I advocate for is like, there's more to it than depression. There, you have OCD, you can have psychosis, you can have anxiety, you can have rage. Yeah, trauma and rage. It can come yes. out in so many ways. Trauma. And, and, and that's another thing. Like, people have birth trauma. And even though, you know, it might be a big, you know, a big life threatening thing, or it might just be, you know, you were disregarded at, at, when you were giving birth, like that's still trauma. And 
they brush you off as, oh, well, you're alive and your baby's alive. Everything's fine. Well, no, it's not. And there's nobody there who can stop and say like, you need this screening or you need this help. And we're not telling mothers about this stuff. And that's what makes me so angry. So detrimental. So, so yeah, we have so many things to discuss. I'm curious, like what your, you know, what things were helpful? Like what, where were the turning points? Um, what suggestions do you have? Like, where do we go from here? We'll get there, but I kind of want to reverse a little bit so that our audience members can, I think it's so valuable for people to realize like anxiety can show up as irritability. Depression can come up even though you, you may still be, you know, have postpartum depression, even if you had a wonderful picnic with your family yesterday and you were smiling and laughing, like you, it, it's, it's not always what you expect it to look like or what we're told it looks like. So I think it's really helpful to give moms practical examples of what this looked like for you. So if you can um, give us some practical examples of how these difficulties really transpired in your everyday. I would say from with my first daughter, it was complete obvious depression. Like I was sobbing all the time. I found myself like laying on the ground, unable to get up, like super, super upset. And then just anxious because it was my first baby. And I had that thought of what did I just do? I am left with this thing who I don't really like because she won't stop crying. And I, I don't, I don't like her. Right. right. I don't like her. And it was January. She was born in January. And I remember I wanted to put her on the front porch because she would not stop crying. And they don't tell you that. So it was, it was very obvious to me that like there was something wrong with my second child. I felt better because I knew what I was doing and I knew what it was like. And, but then I started to feel angry and I didn't really realize that I was alarmed by the amount of rage I had. Like I was like slamming, like slamming doors hard enough to like break stuff, like knock the tops of the porch light off. Like it was that, and I wanted to like break things. Like I was so angry. I wanted to break stuff. And that was unusual for me, but I chalked it up to being stressed. And it wasn't until I was at work pumping in the pumping closet, as we call it. And I started crying and I was like, I don't feel right. This is not right and that is what drove me to look for a therapist because it kind of hit me like seven or eight months down the line that I don't feel right and that's the thing like I think moms need to know yeah you can have those symptoms like straight away as soon as you have give birth or they can come up later on like months down the road and just because you know you felt good for four months and now you feel like crap you that's, you could still have postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, any of those things. Yeah, you're so right. And it, it comes out in so many ways. And these are not things that people, I mean, it's a cycle. I made a post about this, about the motherhood shame cycle. Like these are things yeah. that we don't talk about because no one else talks about them. And because no one else talks about them, we feel ashamed and we think that we're the crazy ones and that we're the only ones doing this. And we have motherhood all wrong and no one else doesn't like their baby. So I'm not going to say anything because that's crazy. And then right. don't say anything. And then, yeah, it's just a freaking mess. It was so hard for me because I was like, well, I don't even like her. Like, I don't like her. I remember telling my husband, I'm like, I hate her. Like, I, I don't even, like, 
I didn't have this bond with her and everybody said, you know, Oh, as soon as your baby comes out, you're going to love her. And I'm like, I, it took me like, um, like months for that to happen because she had colic. She cried and cried. I was terrified. I didn't know what to do. And I didn't like her. I, I viewed her as this thing that came in and upended everything and was now making me so distressed that I didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah. And I want any other mom out there to know, like, this is the culmination of like continued shame and continued, like thinking that you're crazy. And I made another post, I think on my Instagram recently too, like the problem isn't mom, the, the problem isn't the moms and the fact that you were going through this. The problem is that society has failed us, right? Society yeah. has failed us. That's the thing that really, that's the thing that really upsets me because it's like, they hand you the baby. They're like, all right, go home. And then everybody leaves you alone. It's like, you don't have paid family leave. There's nobody to support you. You don't even have like a, like the baby gets like six checkups in like the first few months of its life. And you get one and they ask you like a question if you're sad, like, hello, I'm a person too. Like moms are people too. We need help. We need support. And you can't just leave us alone like this. Like that's, that's a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. And it's backwards, right? Like if we're not filling up our cups and, and people aren't checking in on us, right. Give to our babies. Right. Right. And that's, I mean, that's what you don't, you, it's hard. I mean, cause being a mom, it's like you have, everything's on your shoulders, the kids work, whatever. It's like, you're the primary parents, you know, like the kids want you dad is, you know, in some cases, hot garbage, or if you're a single parent, like there's no support for you. It's awful. Mm -hmm. And dads, I mean, you're so right. Dads can experience it too, which, so if there's any moms out there or any parent, you know, dads listening, they can experience all this too. And I think that it is much different for moms because we are for the most part, the maternal figure is that primary caregiver, especially in the beginning, right? Like, Mm -hmm. It's just different. And I can't tell you how many times I, I felt, especially in those beginning months, like when I was really in the trenches, I felt like a mom in the coffee shop could relate to me more and like knew more of my life than my own husband. Cause I'm like, there's no way he's ever going to understand this. Like he's never going to understand like the feeling in the pit in my stomach when my son won't stop crying. Yeah. Like the, like the, the, we'll never just be on the same page about that, but other moms might be. Right. And I remember when my oldest daughter was born, she had colic and she just, she would not stop crying. And it was like two in the morning or something. And she was all swaddled up and I picked her up and I squeezed her. And I said, I said, what do you want? Why won't you, why won't you be quiet? What do you want? And I was like, I was so upset. I had, I just had enough. And I set her back down in her little bassinet. And the next day I was talking to my husband. I said, what if I squeezed her too hard? Like I had, I squeezed her arms like in, and I said, what if I squeezed her too hard? And he said, I can't believe you would have done that. I can't believe you squeezed her at all. And I was like, you don't understand. Like, it's almost like you lose your mind for a minute. Like you don't have the sleep. You, crazy. I mean, it literally can drive you. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, what do you want? Like, you won't be quiet. And, 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 you know, he's next to me, like just passed out dead. And I'm like, it, you're, you're not even awake. That makes you pissed off. Right. Yeah. 
I'm over here. My emotions are literally like I'm, I'm losing my mind, literally. Right. I feel that way. And you're sleeping? Like, right. Of course you don't understand why I squeezed her. You're asleep. You get to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. I'm hitting the pause button quick to share with you guys a product that my family absolutely loves. Magic Spoon is a protein-packed, delicious adult version of some of our favorite childhood cereals. It's a healthy cereal that seriously tastes too good to be true. Each serving has about 11 grams of protein per serving, compared to those other cereals that only have one or two grams of protein per serving. Each serving also only contains three net carbs, compared to an average of 24 net carbs per serving with other cereals. Magic Spoon cereals are also grain-free, gluten-free, and free of artificial sweeteners and other funky ingredients. They have flavors like cocoa, fruity, frosted, blueberry, honey nut, and my favorite, peanut butter. Give it a try at magicspoon.com and enter Jenna Overbaugh, one word, for free shipping on me. Happiness 100% guaranteed. So, so these are all real deep dark experiences. And I'm so appreciative of you sharing them because other women need to know that. Um, other women need to be like, okay, like I, this is what it is. Like I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. This is something that, you know, needs to be addressed, but I'm not alone. So what were some of the turning points for you? Like at what point did you start to like see the light at the end of the tunnel? Like, did you get in with a good therapist? Like what did it take for you? And what was that process like for things to actually start to improve? I got in to a therapist. She was okay. I had, I got some Lexapro as well with my first daughter. And that was helpful because like, I don't know how long it takes to work, but in a few months or like a couple of months, I felt better. Like I wasn't like, oh my God. And my therapist helped me because I had all these thoughts like, oh, my baby cries so much. Like if I take her out in public and she cries, all these people are going to judge me. And she's like, are they really going to judge you? Or are they going to see you as a new mom with this baby and you're trying your best? And I'm like, well, you're right. They're probably not going to judge me. So she helped me kind of reframe my thoughts. Yeah. And so that was helpful. And I, you know, and, and, and by that certain age, like the call, it calms down. So that was, that was good, but I would say medication and the therapy with just the thoughts, because sometimes the thoughts can be, like, you can take them as 100% truth, like, my baby's never going to stop crying, or everybody's going to think I'm a terrible mom because she's going to disrupt, you know, this dinner or whatever. Yeah, I remember feeling that way for sure. I mean, it infiltrates every aspect of your life. It's not just when they're crying. Because when they're not crying, it's like, well, when are, when's the shoe going to drop? I remember feeling that way. Like that feeling resonated, like that feeling took over the first year of my life. I feel like, like mm-hmm. even when things were calm, it was like, so when is the next, when's the shoe going to drop? Like, when is it going to drop? How do I prepare myself mentally right. Right. so that I can always be in a good state so that I don't lose my shit? Right. Like, it really sucked. <laughs> but then like, if you do lose your shit, sometimes I mean, with my second daughter, I, I was really angry. So I yelled a lot. Like I was a yell, I'm, I was a yelling mom. I yelled at, at my kids and I was like, oh man, you know, I'm a terrible person because I'm yelling at my children and I'm still working on that. I mean, I'm, I don't yell at them anymore, but I'm still working on the guilt that I have because I, I yelled a lot and it was hard. And I just feel like 
you're not supposed to yell at your kids. You know, you're supposed to be super happy and always playing with them and not annoyed and everything is glitter and rainbows. And that's not the case sometimes. Sometimes they bother you. Sometimes you need five minutes to yourself. Like, it's hard. Yeah. I remember, I remember little nuggets of information that my therapist told me related to all this stuff. And it's like, when you're in the thick of it, when you're in the trenches like that, and you're so wrapped up in the emotion, you can literally like, can't see what's right in front of you. I mean, it's very clear and objectively clear to a stranger or a therapist. And that's why therapy is amazing because you're able to kind of consider a different viewpoint. But I remember you know, feeling that way too. And my therapist would be like, you know, I was struggling with the feelings as well of like, I feel like I don't like him some days. I feel like I feel guilty when I need a break from him. Like, I feel like I just don't enjoy my time with him. Like sometimes I get really, really annoyed by him. And then I get really upset about that feeling. And she said, anyone else who you had to be with 24 seven and kept you up at night and didn't return love because he's a newborn and he can't do that. Right. Like anyone else you would also get sick of them too. Like even the, my favorite person in the world is my husband and I still get sick of him too. Like, yeah, that's so, that's really good. I'm glad you said that. Cause like, I struggle with that sometimes too. I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to love my kids so much, but yeah, I mean, especially when they're babies, they don't return love. And I'm, my youngest one is two, And I'm, I'm still trying to figure out the toddler stage because they're jerks. They don't return love. They're like, you know, screw you. Give me what I want. Mm-hmm. And I'll scream and cry, you know? And I'm like, I used to get offended that like, they're not, they're not being kind. Well, they're too, they're tiny. They don't have the brain power to do that. And sometimes I think it's helpful because I used to view kids as like just tiny adults, but I still have to remind myself right. like they, they don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. And my therapist explained that to me too. Like they're not small adults. Their brains aren't there yet. Yeah. And I, it's crazy what can come up in these unexpected places like Instagram and TikTok. I have been seeing a lot lately about these, you know, these unrealistic expectations that moms have about expecting them to be little adults and whatever. And I don't know if this is always the case, but it's like, I've, I've read a lot and I'm really intrigued by learning more about like this whole concept of reparenting, like how our kids are actually like a, a trigger because of like something from our own childhood, right? Like our own parenting. Um, and it's, I talk about this in other podcast episodes too, this whole issue, like nothing brings about your own childhood shit than having a baby for yourself. And there's, there's just, there's so much back to the original point of like advocacy and how professionals are lacking in their ability and knowledge to help us. Like no one talks about that stuff. No one talks about, everyone talks about how wonderful having a baby is. No one talks about like how it's going to trigger your old childhood wounds. No one's going to talk about how it's going to potentially F up your relationship with your partner. Like no one talks about that stuff. Right. Oh, it's so important. And it's kind of hard because you know, if you've got pregnant friends, I don't like, I don't want to run up to my friends and be like, oh my God, you know, here's what, here's what could happen to you. But it's, it's still so important to say like, hey, if you have this intrusive thought of, you know, dropping your baby down the stairs, it doesn't mean that you're insane. Cause you know, it's like, they don't, no one knows this stuff and there just needs to be, I don't know, some kind of knowledge. I don't know if 
I don't know how that's going to happen, but there just needs to be knowledge about it. I think it comes little by little. I don't think it's going to be this big sweeping movement. I think it's little by little with, honestly, I think we can all do our part. And what I try to do myself is when I do have those intrusive thoughts or when I do have the part about motherhood that I feel ashamed about, like, even though I would want to get stuck in that shame cycle of, well, no one else talks about it. So it must be my fault. Mm -hmm. So I'm the only one. So I'm going to keep quiet instead of falling victim and kind of getting stuck in that loop. I try to challenge myself to say it anyway, because nine times out of 10, anytime I release something like that, like something that does feel shameful or crazy or, you know, intrusive or that I am not cool with or proud of nine times out of 10, someone else is like, that's, that's me too. Like, I thought I was the only one. That's a good point. The only way, like we need to talk more. And when other people are talking, we need to support them instead of critiquing or saying ridiculous, like toxic positivity bullshit, right? Like, yes, I hate that so much. Well, at least you, you should be grateful that at least you have a baby, right? Yeah. Don't, if someone's that telling that. And I can mourn my old life. Like you right. can do things at the same time. I can't tell you how many times I tried to say those things after my kids were born and people would just respond with the, well, at least you, right. and it's like, no, no. Or just wait, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. You just wait. Well, at least you did. No, this, this is my feeling and it's valid. It doesn't matter that I'm healthy. It doesn't matter that my baby's healthy. I feel like this. And yeah. Like, yeah. Don't say, well, at least you to a person who's just given birth. Don't just don't do it. Yeah. I think those would be my, always like my two fallbacks of like how we're going to try to fix this. I think on an individual basis, it comes down to us sharing more, which is what we're doing right now. And it Mm -hmm. empowers me every time that we do it. So us sharing more with our fellow moms or parents or expecting moms, friends, whatever. And then when we hear those things, being very careful to just be validating and supportive instead of the, well, just you wait, dot, 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 or well, at least dot, dot, dot. It's just such toxic positivity and it's not supportive and it doesn't make us feel better and it makes us feel ungrateful and shameful and we don't want to talk anymore about it. And that leads us to the situation where we're in, where we don't want to talk about it. More people, more topics become taboo. And we continue to isolate moms further and further. And it's just a terrible, terrible cycle. Mm -hmm. So what are, I mean, as we're talking about support and some of the things that have been helpful for you, what are some of the things that have been super helpful for you in kind of tackling these issues and tackling and dealing with your own recovery? What are some ways that moms can get support and how other maybe people can support them? I would say just listening. So I have a group of friends who are all moms and we all talk about things with each other and it's like, oh yeah, well, maybe I'm not so weird because you are feeling that way too. And it's helpful. And I think, I know it's hard, but try not to judge yourself. Like you're having these thoughts, you're having these feelings, they're valid. It doesn't mean that you are a terrible person. It doesn't mean that you're a terrible um mother i what helped me is therapy cuz talking about mom stuff is hard sometimes and having the other person validate it back to you that that's what you're going through it's helpful and then asking for help if you need it i'm super stubborn and i'm i would rather just do it myself even if you know that's going to cause me large amounts of stress and anxiety just ask for help. Like if you're going to try and juggle your kids and work from home and do something else, you know, just ask if anybody can come help you. Um, 
I think just being honest about what I experience is helpful because the narrative out in society now is motherhood's great. It's sunshine and roses. But when I can find that group of people where we can like sit or, you know, I write my articles and, you know, we all share that in that community. And it's like, no, it's not that great. Sometimes it's crap. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's crap. And that's okay. Yeah, I totally agree. And before I became a mom, just in my own therapy work, especially working with people who have anxiety and OCD, I didn't spend a whole lot of time validating, right? Because we often would talk about things that were invalid, right? Like, so it's very difficult to just sit there and just listen because it can tend to be uh, like harmful to the people who have OCD and anxiety. Um, so I very much in my own therapy practice and even personally with myself or with other people, I tended to just like jump to the solution. But being a mom and needing that myself, like needing validation and needing someone to just listen, it changed me as a person, as a friend, as a listener, and as a therapist, because I'm like, I needed, like, I was put in a situation where like, I didn't want the problem to be solved necessarily. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to, someone to just listen to me and my therapist did a great job of that. Like I definitely was dealing with anxiety and some obsessive compulsive stuff. She did not do any ERP with me. Of course, I am knowledgeable about that. So I think that I did that a little bit myself on my own, but she was just supportive. And she was so, she was like, hands down. (laughs) I laugh anytime I journal and there's like, name your top three most influential people, therapist. (laughs) (laughs) And and she's the best. Um, But yeah, it just creates, it's it's just strange to me. I think moms above and beyond anyone else, like a lot of the groups that I know anyway, above and beyond anything else, what they need is someone who's going to listen and someone who's going to validate and try to support them. Yeah. Or even just saying like, even if you don't know what to say, you can just say, my husband always says to me, like, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm here to listen to you. Yeah, that's and great. That's fine. Uh, even if you don't know what to say, just I'm here to listen to you, or I'm sorry that happened to you, or I'm sorry that you're experiencing that. That goes a long way instead of just responding with, well, you know, just wait until they're four or whatever, you know? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, so many good things. So I, at the end of every podcast, especially mom-related ones, I like to wrap up with the same kind of questions. So after considering everything that you've been through, what would you go back and tell yourself if you could? Or what did you wish you knew back then? Really at any point? I wish I knew that having intrusive thoughts about putting my baby in a cupboard or dropping her or anything like that was par for the course. I wish I knew that because I didn't really have thoughts like that until I had kids. And I thought, well, I'm obviously insane. And if somebody would have just said, no, (laughs) that's pretty normal. That would have saved me a lot of heartache. Um, And then I think another thing is that I think physical therapy, like taking care of yourself after the baby. So like pelvic floor therapy, I think is super valuable because a lot of stuff goes on down there and they just discharge you at six weeks to go back to your life. But And make you think that peeing your pants forever is normal. Right. It's not. And if you have pain and, you know, go go to a therapist, go to a physical therapist 
and they can help you. Like I, I thought peeing my pants was the usual situation and I had a lot of pain and, and, um, and injury and stuff. And I've been to therapy like four times and it's so helpful, but nobody talks about that part either. They're just like, Hey, you push the person out of your vagina. Go ahead, go live your life. But like, no, that's like a, that's like an injury, you know, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I have gone to a physical therapist for those issues as well. And it, it had the additional benefits of like me feeling like I was kind of getting my body back, which was really powerful for me. Like it felt like my body, because in my experience, I feel like I had a little bit of a traumatic birth. Like I felt very just like taken, like, right. I just felt like my body wasn't mine anymore. And I'm, I'm an athletic person. So, you know, pregnancy was not, I don't like being not in control of my body. And so even afterwards, like not to mention the breastfeeding difficulties and how that's not mine anymore. Mm -hmm. And now it's like my whole pelvic region and like those organs aren't mine anymore. And so when I kind of got some control back over that and I started to feel like myself again, I remember crying in the elevator because I could like do jumping jacks without peeing. And I was just so happy to like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm like regaining my body back. And that was like a year and a half into it. It was awful. Yeah. It took me that long to get my first session too. Cause I had no idea what was going on with me and nobody else did either. Cause they were like, Oh, uh." and then it was like, I said something specific to my OB and she was like, that's your pelvic floor. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) like, (laughs) again, like, why isn't this not coming? Like, why are we waiting until crisis? Why are we waiting for women to talk about it? There should be sheets, you know, you could throw sheets about breastfeeding and like, you know, incision healing, but they should give you a sheet about mental health. They should give you a sheet about pelvic health. They should give you those sheets too. They should give you more sheets about that than breastfeeding and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, I think too, just with the classes that we have to take, like I've taken classes on how to put my kiddo in a car seat, how to do CPR. And those are all great. Never, ever have I seen one. And maybe they exist. If they do, that's wonderful, but not in my area. (laughs) Never one about education. Never Mm -hmm. one about all these intrusive thoughts and what that could be. Not Mm -hmm. one about postpartum anxiety and rage and trauma and what that looks like and preventative factors or protective factors, like a good support network. Um, You know, I think women need to know about protective factors. They need to know about risk factors. If someone else in your family has experienced these things before, you're at a higher risk. If you have experienced these things before, you are at a higher risk. If you have a strong support network, you are more a little bit more protected. If you have a stable income and a stable relationship, you are a little bit more protected. Like women need to know this information. And I don't know why, like it would be so simple to the same way that we have like a breastfeeding 101 class. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. great. Keep it. Also implement a women's mental health and a new mom mental health. Yes. Class. Yes. That's what we need. Seriously. So what else is important for other moms to know? I think it's important to understand that if you struggle, it's okay. You can hate breastfeeding. You can hate, you know, the newborn stage. Like what you see on social media and in magazines and stuff, like that's not how it is 100% of the time. You can have negative feelings. It's okay. There's just so much pressure on, 
oh, don't you just love your new baby? Aren't you, aren't you so happy? Well, it's okay if you're not. It's okay, honestly. And it's like you don't, especially with me, like with my first kid, it's like I didn't know it was okay to not be bonded with them immediately. I thought there was something wrong with me. So if you don't have those feelings right away, that's okay. It takes time. Yeah, for sure. And I didn't feel that way either. So probably a ton of other women out there who are listening and really appreciate just that validation and the support and the education that we're giving. So last question, we've talked about a ton of difficult things that you've gone through as a mom and in the, you know, advocacy experience of trying to get help and get your, get your experiences out there. So why do you think it's important to do and go through hard things? Well, I'm doing it now with therapy, but um, I think, I think it's because you, you learn that you can. So I'm always, I usually am like afraid when I start something or when I go to do something like, can I handle that? That's always in the back of my head is, can I handle this? And doing hard things shows me that, yeah, I can handle this. I can make it through. Thank you so much, Casey, for sharing all of your information. I love all this whole entire topic. Um, so if people want to kind of follow along on your journey, um, just keep up to date with you and, and anything that you're doing or going through, where can they find you? Um, I'm on Instagram at cnew711. And then I am on Twitter at Casey B. Newman. On Twitter, I mostly yell about baseball. So <laughs> if you like sports, come on over. But I'm very active on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much, you guys. I will put um, those handles in the show notes so you can keep up to date with Casey and uh, keep, you know, watching her and seeing her journey um, as we try to navigate this motherhood thing. Because as you said, as they become toddlers and, you know, younger children and older children, it, it's always going to be something different. So we're all in it together. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you again so, so much. You've been great. Thank you. For more information and resources, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. From there, you can sign up for my email newsletter so you can make sure that you are the most up-to-date about upcoming resources, podcast episodes, blogs, challenges, and more. Also, check me out on Instagram at jenna.overbaugh and tune into some other episodes here while you're at it. As always, if you have a free minute, it would mean the world to me if you could please subscribe and rate this podcast. Subscriptions and ratings help me keep the podcast going and help me spread the word to other people who need these resources and they otherwise may not get them. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really love creating these episodes for you. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.